Okay, Justin, I need your thoughts. Do you think there are babies that are just born with bad vibes? Oh, yeah. Bad vibes. You have to vibe check a, uh, an infant at the hospital. Uh, I'm going to say this might not be popular. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, they're, they're, they're probably bad vibe babies. What about you? What do you think? I think some of them are just born with evil faces. <laughs> and I can't say that on Instagram when I see people post their babies, but I think it. And you're doing your uh, damnedest to get us canceled. Always. All the time. I can't wait. Hello, people. This is the Extra Spicy Podcast. I'm Justin Phillips. And I'm Soleil Ho. On this episode, we're talking to Alexis Nicole Nelson, otherwise known as the Black Forager, on TikTok and Instagram. Hello, today we're ranking plants I found on the beach by taste. She's a bona fide TikTok star, the first that we've had on the show. And not only is she super charismatic, she's also the first forager we've had on the show to talk about the whole walking around in the woods and eating the things that you find thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that whole thing. Alexis talks to us about how she started foraging, her presence on social media, and the systematic disenfranchisement of foraging for minorities, and its ties to food and land sovereignty. Plus, you'll learn about some tasty edible plants that might be right outside your front door. So stay tuned. So, Soleil, I have to ask, I've never purposely been foraging. I've never gone out with a group that had the sole intent to go forage for something specific. Have you ever done it? I got to hear about the first time that you've tried it. The first hardcore foraging that I did was in Louisiana. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. Just north of Lake Pontchartrain with a friend who was a kind of crust punk that I worked with. And we went to Fontainebleau State Park and I was not dressed for it. I was wearing a skirt and like tennis <laughs> shoes. <laughs> and we were jumping off of the sort of boardwalk that separated us from the swamp. Yeah, and yeah. I was digging around and looking for mushrooms and there are just like snakes everywhere <laughs> but we got a lot of good stuff that's awesome i i think you're the first person that i've ever heard that went forage i'm sure there are plenty of people that do it but you're definitely the first person that i've heard that went to go do it that's that's really crazy did you grab a snake or run into any kind of like animal did you actually pick one up or was this uh see it and kind of get out the way well, it was more like I jumped, you know, off of the boardwalk and was ankle deep in swamp water. And <laughs> as soon as I get out, I realized that there is a snake exactly where I just was. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Just... I guess it was looking for something yummy also. Oh, my God. Just when I thought I couldn't respect you anymore. That is <laughs> insane. It's really cool to hear about that. It's really cool to hear Alexis talk about it. But. Also, another intriguing story is kind of how we came across her. Like, Soleil, as you do with a lot of stuff, like you introduced me to her. But um, I think it's worth explaining, like, how you stumbled across her, too. Right. So, you know, I have a, as you can tell, I have a predilection towards foraging and foragers. I find the whole practice very interesting. But also, I've been on TikTok for a few years now at this point, which is weird to say. Um, <laughs> TikTok is so great, right? It's so rich and full of these weird niche practices. And I don't want to say foraging is weird, but really... The account that I follow where a guy just fishes eels out of a muddy ground is weird. And it's just like video after video of eels. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's TikTok to me. And so 
finding the gems on there, people like Alexis, is pretty exciting. I know there's this one that always intrigues me. It's like a men with the pot, I think. And it's some dude who's like out in the woods, but cooking really nice semi-gourmet meals. It has like a high ASMR quality to it. Like it's a really sharp knife on this like wooden cutting board. The chicken gets cooked in a cast iron pan over like, you know, embers and stuff. I don't know. It's that kind of stuff that I think TikTok can be really fun. How does it make you feel to watch someone cook in the woods? Kind of jealous, right? And and maybe that's like just part of TikTok's appeal during the pandemic anyway, is just we're all watching people do things that if you're, you know, if you have been sheltering in place and social distancing, that you probably aren't able to do, you know? But speaking of things that you can't do, but you want to do, the thing that is really fun about Alexis Nicole Nelson's videos is that you can do the things that she does. And she is very clear about helping people understand what is around them and what is really good to eat from their city parks and the woods and all of that stuff. So this was a really great conversation. And I think it'll be really instructional, too, for a lot of our listeners. We're so excited to talk to you. I super fucking excited. love your TikTok. <laughs> oh, how dare you both immediately come out of the gate being kind to me? <laughs> oh my god! It is like the ultimate fantasy for me to like watch someone like oh. just sing about the woods. You know, just go someplace I can't right now and just be so happy about being outside. I am jealous, but also just totally in love. Oh, so I thank you. I I love singing about being in the woods. So <laughs> the, fact, the fact that that brings joy to anybody else, while I find it baffling, I also find really happy and exciting. <laughs> so I thought we would start by just maybe talking about like why why you're doing this. You could easily just go to the woods privately, and yet you choose mm-hmm. to share this activity with the world. What's up with that? So that comes from a couple different things. Uh, I will start with the most selfish reason and we'll work our way to the the nicest, best reason. (laughs) Um, The most selfish reason is I really like talking and I really like attention. Let's just get that one out of the way right now. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened when I was a kid, but I I love knowing that someone else is hearing the sound of my voice. Um, But in terms of kind of educating and showing the world what I do. And, uh, you know, almost as if I'm taking everyone with me on my hikes. There was a point in time in which knowledge about edible plants was far more widespread. And a whole lot more folks kind of partook in foraging in addition to the food they were buying for themselves. And Over the course of the 20th century, we really had a systematic loss of that information, especially within the Black community. And a lot of them was on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) And so for me to be able to have this method where I can teach people this information that I know for free on their own time at their own pace Uh, means everything to me because I do believe that this information should be widespread and I believe it should be as accessible as possible. Yeah, that's great. I'm right with Soleil, by the way. Uh, The TikToks are just so charming, so endearing and really, really informative, which is the 
really great part about it. And so you talk, you kind of mentioned this where you're like, part of it is liking attention and liking, you know, the idea of people hearing you talk, which I think is incredible and is a wonderful sign of confidence too. I would never be able to do it, but I'm also <laughs> curious about this. When you first start, like, is the idea that, um, because people are going to have to come find you, figure out that you're going to be the authoritative voice for how they explore outdoors, how they learn about plants, like that takes time to build. So in the beginning, does it feel like you're kind of, um, I don't know, yelling into a void kind of thing? Or were you, <laughs> were there already people kind of waiting for you to do this? Like, what were those early days of like doing this, this, like creating this account and doing these, uh, these videos like? Oh my gosh. Well, if we want to take it back to the beginning, beginning, before I even had a TikTok, before I even made like my Instagram foraging account, which predates my TikTok by like a year, mm. I was just bothering all of my friends and family members on my personal Instagram <laughs> with all of the weird food I was making and you know all the times I was going into the woods and after a while I was like ah you guys don't want to be hearing this and my mom doesn't need to keep calling me asking why I can't just go to the grocery store like a normal person <laughs> and so I'm going to make like this separate Instagram account and it's crazy because for that first year, my face was in nothing. It was just the plants, just straight information, no jokes, no nothing. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I was really afraid of not being taken seriously at first. It took me a year of having that account before I was willing to show my face. And I was so nervous about it. It was literally just like a selfie next to my fig tree. <laughs> And I panicked <laughs> about posting it. So for TikTok, I didn't originally intend my TikTok to be for foraging. I was just kind of stumbling around in the app, figuring out how it worked so I could do my day job better. Just as a one-off thing, the week that the shutdowns began happening in March last year, uh, just for funsies, I went out in my neighborhood and I was like, hey, I know you're nervous about going to the grocery store. I am too. Let's meet five plants that are definitely growing in your neighborhood that you can eat. Mm. This is garlic mustard. It's super invasive, but it's also super good for you. Dandelion flowers. I think they're pretty tasty by themselves, but you can also dip them in batter and fry them, and I hear they're amazing. Violets. The whole plant is super edible, but the flowers are slightly sweet and make And really so I just went through like dandelions and violets and a couple other like really basic things that you can find in any given city. Posted it, didn't think anything of it. And then the next day I woke up with like double the followers and 40,000 views oh, wow. on that particular video. And I was like, oh, so <laughs> the people want to learn here. <laughs> I like that. I like learning. I like teaching. Uh, so I posted another one and it did even better. And I posted, you know, how to make pesto with these really invasive weeds and it did even better. And it just kept going until it became like a full on chaotic acorn processing <laughs> video that now is what most people on TikTok know me from. That's the one that's been seen the most. These are acorns. They came from a tree. I ground these acorns and soaked them in water for two weeks and then ended up with these acorn grits, but we have to go smaller. I see you winding. 
Uh, so it's been a slow build into the confidence of being like, yeah, I'm happy to be sharing my face and my voice. It was definitely not there at first. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I want to go back to that like moment when you finally posted that selfie of yourself next to a fig tree. Um, what I mean, what were you thinking? Like, how are you feeling? What were you worried about? Well, the only reason that I was going to post it, period, is it was mm, about a year ago in the middle of January. There's not a lot growing outside. So most foraging accounts, unless they're like really avid mushroomers, kind of shut down between mid-December until about mid-March. And I was terrified of losing like this small, beautiful audience that I had managed to kind of wrestle up with all of my other posts. And so I was like, oh, well, I have to post something. They can't just not hear from me for, you know, two or three months. Uh, so I'll let them know that I'm alive and I'll take this funny picture next to like my grow light with my fig tree and be like, we're photosynthesizing together. <laughs> and... <laughs> It was received really well, which I also found super surprising. And I think without that moment, I probably wouldn't have tried to combine like TikTok and my foraging stuff had I not been like well received by my smaller audience then. Oh, man. I mean, like, what could people say? Like, how dare you show your face <laughs> like next to this tree? <laughs> it's horrible. I mean, what? Well, <laughs> You'd be surprised. Um, in the in the realm of foraging, there's like a very standard procedure that you see from a lot of folks. And it's like maybe you'll see a hand in the picture for like scale. Um, but it's, you know, usually just here's the plant. If you're gonna see a person, um, they're usually white, they're usually male, and they're usually <laughs> speaking very softly and standing seven feet away from the camera. <laughs> And that's so not me. Like, I don't check any of those boxes. <laughs> so I was nervous. And I got a little bit of pushback in the foraging community when I first started making TikToks from people who were just like, I, I don't like the style of video that you make. Like, I, I get that you have this knowledge. I just don't like the way you're presenting it. And that was a trip. Oh, oh my God. God. That's so... So Leia and I have talked about this too. Like, the... Uh, Maybe so, somewhat like niche categories, like the rules that are in these environments within these groups. Like I had no idea there was a baseline, like foundational uh, video kind of script or like, you know, a method that you had to follow for forging videos. I had no idea about mm -hmm. that. Like that's a, is that like a longstanding thing? And, pe and people were just saying that they... Could they not get the information that you were giving if you, you know, had more in it? Like, I don't understand what stopped them from being able to enjoy it. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's wild. And I had never even noticed the through line of all of the other foraging videos that I had watched until I got called out for deviating. Oh, interesting. From that norm. Oh, wow. Because for me, I was, you know, I don't go into things trying to be different than other people. I just go into any kind of creative project telling the story in like the best, most effective way that I know how, which just happens to usually involve me sing yelling at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's, that's so interesting. And you know, 
I mean, is that something that you thought about too? I, well, I, I guess maybe not, but like in creating these videos, in naturally being who you are and providing information the way that you do, which is like, you know, fun and engaging, you're kind of like rewriting how foraging videos look and feel and sound and how they can be created and, you know, especially like who makes them. Is the gravity of all that, I guess that's not really something you think about when you first start doing the videos and stuff, right? Or maybe it is like, are you? Oh gosh, no, not, yeah. not at all. Yeah. It's, <laughs> ah, I hadn't even really considered that until this moment right <laughs> you're, now. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love gravity. Gravity, <laughs> gravity doesn't keep you awake at night. Exactly. <laughs> No, it's, it's amazing. And I don't know if it has anything to do with me. And I don't think in like good conscience, I can say that it does. But slowly, but surely starting to see more people of color, more women, more queer folks starting to like raise their hand and be heard in the foraging community and the horticulture community on TikTok and elsewhere, just in the last year has been amazing because Oh gosh, I feel like prior to this year, it was like me and then my friend Eric, Eric of the Woods, who is Korean and lives in Indiana, our you know, state neighbor, who was also foraging, and then Indie Aficionalis in California. And I was like, where are the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> there have to be more POC who are doing this. <laughs> and so just... I, I don't know if it's because maybe I, I have like a little bit more reach and it's easier to find people now and those folks were there the entire time. But now that there's kind of this advent of more folks who like look like me <laughs> in the space, I love it even more. And I didn't think that that was possible. Yeah, I mean, it must feel so great because I'm sure you've inspired other people, especially people of color to put themselves out there and try going into the woods and foraging too, because they probably also assumed it was a white space that they just weren't entitled to, right? Oh, absolutely. And that, I think, if there's anything that I am like proud of accomplishing with this, it's the handful of folks who have told me that they feel more entitled to outdoor spaces when they didn't previously. Mm. Uh, nothing feels better than especially another Black woman telling me that they have come to like this realization that the outdoors are for us mm. too, because they are. Mm. <laughs> um, it There were many centuries of it being kind of ingrained into our ancestors, our predecessors, that the outdoors and outdoor education, outdoor activities were not for us. Um, as kind of this like systematic disconnecting black people from the land once black people weren't working the land for free anymore. And so it's it's beautiful like watching people discover this love that they thought they weren't allowed to have. You're listening to the Extra Spicy Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. You can support this podcast and the newsroom that creates it by subscribing to the San Francisco Chronicle at sfchronicle.com slash pod. I'm Soleho, and we're back with Alexis Nicole Nelson. So I'm going to go back to, you, you made a really good point about the idea of the outdoors belonging to us uh, as in Black people and kind of reminding ourselves of that. And Alexis, I'm, I'm curious about this too, because like, 
I know that if I go walking or I have friends that, you know, are like, you know, we're just going to go get some exercise, get my steps in today or something, they might feel um, a little bit nervous or apprehensive about walking through a neighborhood where there aren't many people who look like them. So what they'll do is like FaceTime a friend or something, or like I'll call my brother or something like that if I get kind of nervous. Um, for black people that are foraging and for yourself, I guess, is there... Have you ever had those moments where you're like, oh, I feel nervous about being here? And does social media help you cope? First of all, I'm glad I'm not the only person on team fake phone call. Oh, for sure. Uh, um, I have done that many, many a time because I do, I live in the city. Uh, so I do a lot of urban foraging. And sometimes... People don't like it when a tall, loud black person is doing something that they can't identify. <laughs> <laughs> because some people suck. So I there's a lot of different mechanisms that I, I have used over the years to kind of combat that. Filming TikToks and content for Instagram is absolutely one of them. Um, I don't know why that puts people at ease or makes people feel like they can come and just ask you what you're doing oh, instead of being worried about what you're doing from a distance. Mm -hmm. um, those are the instances in which a lot of times someone will come up to me and be like, oh, like, what is this plant <laughs> that you're filming? And then we get to have a, a moment and kind of like an exchange of humanity instead of it potentially, you know, being a scene. Mm. Um, I also, especially when I'm urban foraging, less when I'm like out in the woods, I will like dress up to go forage. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, cool. Like we're wearing a, a prairie dress and we're doing our makeup because if I look like cute, pretty and approachable, uh, odds are my very Caucasian neighbors won't call the cops <laughs> on me. Mm -hmm which is like something that I can like laugh about, but it's one of those you have to laugh so you don't cry about it. Right. Kind of situations for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean the, with being able to like live stream also on Instagram and on TikTok, that feels very safe because I have had people walk up to me and be apprehensive in the middle of a live stream. And there's something that makes you feel very safe about the fact that like 200 people uh, are watching what is transpiring when maybe no one else directly around you mm, is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would absolutely say that TikTok and Instagram and just the content creation process in general, it acts as a shield for me frequently, especially in regards to urban foraging. Mm. Yeah. And I, you know, I wanted to talk about your choice of moniker as well. You know, um, I think that is a really, I think probably a potent choice and has a lot going on with it as far as visibility goes. I, I think our conversation is definitely touching on visibility in so many different ways. Um, can you explain the use of Black Forager as your your internet presence as your sort of brand, I guess. I hate saying brand, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, when it was time for me to make the uh, aforementioned foraging page so I would stop bothering the people I know who don't care about plants, I 
sat down and just thought about what it was that I was bringing to the space that I didn't see being brought to the space at that time. And at that point in time, I hadn't found any other Black foragers on Instagram. And one thing that the conversation kept coming back to when talking to my parents, when talking to my friends uh, about my love of foraging is everyone <laughs> talking about how it is so often viewed as like a very white, very upper crust activity, um, very academic activity to be participating in. And so I was like, okay, well, I, I feel like I have to be black forager then. Like I want my name alone to be an act of visibility mm. uh, before people even see my face, before people even uh, take in my content, I am letting people know that we're here and we can be here. Um, and it's not just me. So I, <laughs> Granted, never expected to have more than like 800 followers. So <laughs> didn't really know the visibility work it was going to be doing when I came up with it. But that was the headspace that I was in. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, too, you know, you talk about sort of reclaiming the outdoors for Black people and Black women, especially, I'm sure. And I, I wonder if you've had conversations with Indigenous people in your area about what foraging and going outdoors means for them too, because I'm sure having it be typed as a white endeavor is probably even more offensive to them. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to hear about those conversations because I know historically, right, um, Indigenous Americans have done a lot of teaching to enslaved mm -hmm. Africans and their descendants um, who escaped mm -hmm. slavery Um to allow them to live off the land in this foreign place too. And I think there's a lot of really interesting connection between the communities. I would absolutely say that like the two communities that deserve to be outraged at how whitewashed of an activity foraging has become absolutely the American indigenous community and then subsequently the black community. Um, I think it's very interesting how all of a sudden like ethnobotany is becoming a very mm cool little buzzword <laughs> as we're now deciding in academia that so many practices that have been passed down through generations of hands of indigenous people um, might, oh my gosh, actually be worth some sort of merit? Who would have guessed? <laughs> and I feel like that's the narrative that I see happening a whole lot on social media surrounding this kind of reclamation of an act that never should have been lost in the first place. Um, I know I have been doing a whole lot of reading just around some of the earliest laws that were put in place solely for the purpose of disenfranchising indigenous folks from being able to gather food on the land on which they were from. And a lot of those laws still exist today under the guise of like conservation as if you know, those lands that were suddenly in need of conservation hadn't been kept in that condition by means of indigenous <laughs> stewardship already, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is just insane to think about. Um, and a lot of those laws, yeah, came into fruition like around the time that a lot of indigenous folks were being moved to reservations and around the time that uh, black folks were being freed in the South. 
Uh, it was almost like, oh my gosh, well, if under the guise of wanting to keep these spaces pristine, we say, you know, no trespassing on this public property, no loitering on this public property, no taking of these precious plants from this public property. It, it kind of takes away power in a sense. It takes away a huge portion of food sovereignty for two groups. And food sovereignty is such a big brick in the foundation of any group here in the United States. I want to continue seeing indigenous folks have a huge seat at the table of all things stewardship of our native plants, all things foraging, uh, all things herbalism. And uh, I hope that that continues because I've been seeing a lot more of it uh, on Instagram and on TikTok, which is great. Mm -hmm. You know, so Alexis, in, in the sports world, they uh, like when black athletes, when NBA players were speaking out about like social justice issues earlier that actually it wasn't even this year. It might've been, I don't know, within the last two years, <laughs> there was a, a Fox news anchor who told them to like, shut up and dribble, you know, mm -hmm. like, don't speak about, don't speak about politics, just perform for us kind of thing. Um, is there an equivalent of that, that you faced in the foraging community about the conversations that you want to have about the impact of indigenous people, about power in, you know, foraging, about disenfranchisement, like all of these issues that are really relevant to this topic. Do you ever try to discuss those things or introduce those things online in some capacity and get pushback from people that are just like, nah, 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 show us the plants. We don't want to hear about this. Like, because I imagine, <laughs> you know, since it's a predominantly a hyper white space, there might be pushback from these like from a progressive dialogue, maybe like especially one that's kind of painful and and shows the actions of like white America. I don't know. Have you have you gotten any pushback like that? I've certainly gotten um, my fair share of pushback. I know I did a, a video on gathering June berries last spring, and there's like a line in it that's just like, <laughs> for legal purposes, I am required to tell you that I'm not in a park right now. But if I was in a park right now, I also want you to know that the laws in place to prohibit people from gathering food in parks are put in place solely to disenfranchise the poor and the people of color. Mm. <laughs> and people did not like that. <laughs> people did not like that line at all. <laughs> And let me tell you the question that I probably get the most immediately after, have you ever gotten sick from something that you forage, is always questions uh, circulating around about the spaces in which I am gathering uh, with a whole lot of implied questioning as to the legality oh, of what I'm gathering and where I'm gathering. And that's a conversation that I hope to like bust wide open this year because I've been answering a lot of folks kind of on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Um, I don't know. I also <laughs> said some words to some folks on the comments of that Juneberry video too, where everyone could see them because I wanted to put that conversation to bed where it belonged. It was tired. <laughs> and... Uh, that's that's something that I want to dive a lot deeper into mm -hmm. moving forward this year, um, because it's an it's an important conversation, and I think I have a lot of friends and acquaintances who 
very much believe in like the good nature or give like the benefit of the doubt to some of these rules that have been put in place about gathering food in public spaces. Um, and sometimes you just have to, to tell people <laughs> that they were incorrect about something. I was trying to think of a better way to say yeah. that. Yeah. It's like, it's absolutely crazy to me. Some of the most populous parts of our city have Juneberry trees, have magnolia trees, have pawpaw trees and all of it's all of it goes to waste if people don't gather it if you don't teach the people around you that it's there but at the same time people get mad at you when you try and it just makes no sense to me mm. right i mean like what is what's wrong with that i mean what are people arguing that like how does this hurt a city exactly so that's and that's what i always want to say back when people are just like are you in a park gathering persimmons right now and it's like these persimmons were gonna fall on the ground (laughs) otherwise Mm -hmm. these persimmons were going nowhere and we're in a place that with too much foot traffic so the birds aren't even going to eat them either like it's it's such a weird form of policing. It's like mm. a, a very weird form of like concern policing. <laughs> right. And I mean, I can't resist bringing it here, but I I I recognize too that within capitalism an activity where you get something for free is very confusing to people. <laughs> oh my gosh, it just baffles folks and folks will do mental gymnastics to come up with reasons why foraging should not be happening and people should not be partaking in it and there are good reasons a good reason would be if you're not particularly good at IDing plants you know maybe sit this one out if that's you (laughs) um but a lot of people will just be like well, aren't you worried about there being pesticides? I'm like, here in the middle of the woods? Like, there's nothing for them to be pesticiding. <laughs> like, it's it's okay <laughs> that sometimes people just get free food by accident. It's fine. Um, so while we're on this, I, I want to take a little bit of a, a, a different path too. like, I, I know we've talked about the, the complicated elements of this, but give me an idea of some interaction that you've had with these videos that you were like, oh my God, that warms my heart. Was it from, you know, is it from a young forager, POC forager who like got to explore first because they saw you? Is it from, you know, an older white person that might've been introduced to your voice and then suddenly became... I don't know, extra woke or something. I don't know. <laughs> something, something, something like that. Some like oh really God. magical moment, if I, I possessed, guess. If I possessed the power to make people <laughs> hyper woke from the sound of my voice, I would drop everything. That would become my life's mission. <laughs> You'd be a superhero. <laughs> exactly. I have to walk this great nation right. to rid of anti-wokeness <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility exactly the, i'd strap on my tivas i'd be out the door right now but you know i yeah i'm curious like what's a uh what's a really nice moment that kind of like uh one of those things that that keeps you going that lets people know like it's this is a worthy endeavor like what's something really nice that happened uh so the one that stands out first in my mind Uh, was also a bit of a fangirl moment for me. And that was 
like folksy singer Kimya Dawson telling me that she and her kids like like watching my content and learning together and that it's you know nice to see a person of color in that space and for me that was insane because when I was in high school listening to alternative and folksy music Kimya Dawson was that person for me who was like (laughs) a woman of color (laughs) oh my god we are allowed to do this I can just like pick up my acoustic guitar and and you know play some folksy fun two chord songs and like I'm entitled to this space too so that was that was absolutely wild and that's also a moment that for me is just like oh my god what if someday I am this for someone (laughs) (laughs) that would be wild Wow. So it's a full circle moment Mm -hmm. where your inspiration was inspired by you. It's like you've gotten there, essentially. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Are you just ready to die now? Because that seems great. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, when Kimya Dawson commented on one of my videos, I was just like, pack it up. We're done. (laughs) Everything else on the calendar canceled. My final question to you would be, you know, for people who have suddenly become interested in foraging while listening to this interview, what would you say would be um, some advice that you could give? I would say get a field guide that is specific to your area. I would join any and all local Facebook groups dedicated to foraging. Uh, So you can maybe even meet some folks who are willing to take you on a little, you know, masked walkabout with them. Because in my opinion, nothing is better than learning in real time, in person with someone who knows more than you do. Uh, And just like a good deal of common sense. That's, I feel like what's suggested for anybody. Don't don't pick plants that are growing right next to a railroad. Uh, (laughs) Don't be afraid to, to reach out to someone. We all need connection right now anyway. And the outdoors, even while it's cold here, one of the safer places to be when you're standing six feet away from another person. For sure. And where can listeners find you and support your work? If you are on Instagram or the Facebook, I am at Black Forager. And if you're one of those cool kids on the TikTok, (laughs) I am at Alexis Nicole. That is N-I-K-O-L-E. Thank you to my mother, Kim, who is (laughs) (laughs) K-Y-M. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're just delighted to have been able to talk to you. So much fun. This has been an absolute joy. Like my week has peaked. My week has peaked, which is great. Like Wednesday's a good place for the week to peak. (laughs) (laughs) With the interview behind us, now we can tune into what is this nonsense? What? What? Is. What is this? What is this nonsense? Instead of the usual thing where we talk about it, I think we should just be about it this time. Don't you agree? That's what's up. Yeah, let's let's live life that way. So the following is audio from a very exciting video that I saw this week by TikTok user fascinated by fungi. Get ready. I hope 
I hope people email us about, about that. <laughs> <laughs> again to Alexis Nelson for being in conversation with us and to Taya Francesca Price for producing and editing this episode. If you're enjoying Extra Spicy, please share it with a friend and give it a rating on Apple Podcasts. And remember to send us any questions or voice memos you may have about food, life, or anything else for our Dear Spicy advice segment at extraspicy at sfchronicle.com. Thanks for listening.